What's going on, members of the Izone, and welcome back to Impact Izone, Season 6, Episode 13 of Impact Izone Podcast, your one and only source for Michigan State men's basketball, brought to you by Impact 89 FM, WDBM, a part of the Impact Sports Podcast Network. It's me, your man, he is I, I am him, slim with a tilted brim. Shout out to Snoop Dogg, Julian Mitchell, joined in Studio H this week by Kyle Turk and Joey Ellis. Joey, how you doing? That was smooth. Thank you. I was I thought about it before <laughs> before recording. I was like, nice. yo, I'm coming in with some heat today. Props to you. Appreciate it. Kyle, how you doing over there? Good. I, I love it. I love it. It's a good it's a good little group here. Love it. A little small. We're without Amanda today. She couldn't make it in. She's working a shift at WKR. Couldn't couldn't make uh, it in for his yeah, <laughs> you know. I didn't know. <clears throat> yeah. I wasn't I wasn't alerted as to the reason. Yeah. She chose Al Martin over us, but it's okay. It's all right. Ouch. It's fine. I mean we I, like Al. I do something similar. On a game day basis, this is true. You, you fellow may. fellow WKAR interns, for back, lack of a better word, it's big time. But you know, we respect Al, so good work. Amanda's not here, but we got you two guys. And Michigan State's on a bit of a three-game losing streak right now. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't know if you knew, but man, Woo. three that in a row came came as a bit of a surprise. Three in a row, including one on the home floor, and and. Really quickly before just getting into each game individually, I mean, I gotta ask you guys: Did you three see a three-game losing streak happen? And and for you, what's kind of been the biggest reason as to why this streak has happened? Considering this team played so well without Josh Langford before. Well, I don't know if you, a whole lot of people saw Indiana the way they were playing coming in and and beating Michigan State in the manner that they did, and and then going to Illinois, another struggling team at the time, and just playing the way they did in Champaign on Tuesday. So, no, I didn't see a three-game losing skid coming. Um, but I guess when you dive in deeper to what's really happening at the box score, who's doing what, um, it's probably not that crazy to think this team is struggling right now. Sky's not falling like some people might think, but I definitely think there is um, ma- major reason to be concerned with the way you've been playing. I think one loss kind of creates another, too. Uh, just the momentum of this team to have the week they did last week where it's you know Langford's out of the season, you get that news to the rest of the team, they react however they did. They lose a, a game at Indiana, which we'll get into. We'll get into both the games, of course, but I think one loss kind of created the other loss because I think a, a more confident team walks into Illinois on Tuesday and, and comfortably wins that game. Yeah, and I, I like how you said how the Langford, just hearing that news might have shaken things up, and that, that leads into something I want to talk about, but... We'll start with the first game, Indiana, Michigan State, falling in overtime to the Hoosiers at the Breslin Center, 79-75 in that game. Just some stats to look at. Cassius Winston, 26 points, 7 assists, 8 rebounds, almost messed around and got a triple-double. 9 of 22 from the field, 4 of 9 from 3, and 44 of 45 playable minutes for Winston in that game. Xavier Tillman coming off the bench with 13 points, 7 rebounds, when 6 of 10 from the field. He saw 27 minutes. And then the high man for Indiana, although a, a poor shooting night for him, Romeo Langford, 19 points, 5 rebounds, just 6 of 18 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3-point range. And looking at this game, just starting off first, one thing that's really evident, you look at the box score, one thing Izzo and the team remarked about is just the simple lack of effort. And it starts with missed free throws, and then it also goes with being out-rebounded once again by a team that they should not have been out-rebounded against, especially when Juwan Morgan went out with a shoulder injury in the middle of the game to get out-rebounded how Michigan State did in this one. It it showed a clear lack of effort. And I want to ask for you guys, 
Do you think it was the Langford injury that kind of made the team lose focus? And, and what did you see from the team overall? I don't know if, if they lost focus because of it. I mean, they were still up by three at the half, and, and Aaron Henry after said that was kind of the, the sensing where they felt they just, you know, this game wasn't going the way it should have been, especially against an Indiana team. No Jawan Morgan for pretty much all of it. He only played 13 minutes. Um, but like you said, it was the effort-related stuff, the missed free throws, which will drive any head coach, especially Tom Izzo, just bonkers. Not effort, but something that you need to win a game. Well, yeah, but but then that and, and mm-hmm. then just getting out-rebounded on the glass by a team who was severely outnumbered in terms of rebounds going up against Michigan, Michigan State heading into that game. I mean, Deron Davis came in. Well, this was a guy who wasn't even be, supposed to be playing until maybe mid-February. I don't know how much Michigan State was ready for him. He came in off the bench, played 25 minutes, 12 points, really efficient, grabbed six rebounds as well, and he was just disruptive on both ends of the floor. I thought he really did a good job sparking Indiana. But then also just other guys like Al Durham comes and hits three three-pointers, and a guy who really isn't known for his three-point shooting. He played 37 minutes and played pretty darn well for Indiana. And then, like you said, Romeo Langford, not a great shooting night, but he had some timely, costly buckets for Michigan State down the stretch. And and those ultimately provided to be the killer there for Michigan State. I'm almost not really that upset with the Indiana loss because they came into that game shooting 25% from three. And in that game, 10 of 20. Like, what What can you possibly do if a team shoots like that from the outside? 32, Turk. 10 of 20, 10 of 20 no, from three. I think three. their season. Was oh, the 32. season. But in Big Ten play, See, 25%. Right, yeah, yeah. Big Ten play, mm-hmm. 25%. You don't, you don't do that. Come into the Breslin Center, and as we mentioned, Al Smith, three of five from three. Devontae Green came off the bench. He came out of, off of a suspension. Goes three for four from three. It's And some of the they had a big run in that second half that really put them back into the lead, and they were contested shots. And, some of and them. Mildly contested in other cases, and, and they were all falling. I mean, if it, I think in Big Ten play, uh, opponents were getting off a lot of three-point attempts against MSU, but just not hitting them. I'm wondering almost if it kind of moves back towards kind of the, the regression to the mean almost, where now all of a sudden teams are going to start hitting shots from the outside that earlier in the season they might not have. Yeah, and that's the bigger thing. And one thing that you reference as well, and that listening to, of course, Brendan Quinn and, and their moving screen. They love it. It's one thing they that, love they, that they love that stat. They talk about a lot, and it's a huge stat. And looking at it now, just in the Big Ten Conference, Michigan State, holding teams to a very low percentage from three-point range, 31%, but they're allowing 539 attempts from beyond the arc. And like you said, a regression to the mean at some point. You wonder, I mean, I don't know how many attempts is a good amount of attempts to really allow a team, but eventually if you teams can shoot the ball, it's, it's, there's a reason opponents are shooting the ball that many times against MSU. It's because they think they can make those shots. They're not... MSU's defense on the perimeter is, is good, but they're not sitting there enforcing uh, a bad shots at the end of every shot clock. It's very, I think it's a different story. Mm-hmm. And I think it ends up being just part of what happens to this Michigan State team because, at least in this game, like we said, Langford, not a great shooting night, but other guys stepped up to beat him. And it was the same case for Purdue. They keyed in on Carson Edwards. Ryan Klein has a great night. I mean, and then conversely, looking at Indiana, defensively, I think, Teams are starting to figure out what to do against Michigan State. They keyed in on Cassius Winston. I mean, he went 44 minutes in, in through, with regulation and overtime and pretty much led the way like he has been all season. But you get another near no-show from Nick Ward. 11 points, but by no means an efficient shooting night, 5 of 12. Kenny Goins, 
messed around, almost got a quadruple double. Yeah. Not, I'm not sure if anybody in Michigan State history had been close or has done well, that. I think it was a single-game block record, too. Yeah, he had eight. eight. Eight blocks. I mean, he played great. Him and Tillman both played well, but Nick Ward is this guy who's supposed to be your – you know, NBA potential big, a guy who... A big presence inside, regardless, right. regardless of the NBA. I think the NBA talk is just kind of a side thing, but you, he's fun to be your presence down low and really not offering you much on the offensive end. Defensive end as well. I think he's got six rebounds on the defensive side yeah. in the last two, three games. Well, he only... Yeah, he had six that game as well. He hasn't really been rebounding the ball that well defensively, but like you said, he, he hasn't been scoring. I mean, there's no reason this guy shouldn't be going for at least 15-plus a night. He's going to need to. If Michigan State wants to go where they want to go, because unless, you know, Matt McQuaid, Aaron Henry, some of these younger guys start stepping up, it's really just going to be Cassius Winston shouldering the load. And I mean, I know he says he he's fine with all the minutes that he's been logging, but eventually playing this much to having to produce this much game after game, it's going to catch up to him. Yeah, and I, I wanted to save Ward for Illinois, but you guys hit on it already. So I'll get into what I wanted to talk about there. But looking at Nick Ward, and one thing Izzo said post game was that Ward, at least in the first half, just kept trying to dribble the ball like he was a guard. And I, I want to ask you guys, you guys were on the call for Indiana, what what are you seeing out of Ward that's been kind of the difference in his tone, his level of aggression? He's not getting to the boards, he's not getting deep post position like he was before. And so just looking at him, watching the gameplay, what are you seeing that's changed for him? Well, it's weird because for Indiana, he got it going quite a bit early on when he was getting deep post position and really Indiana didn't have an answer and then I don't know if it was them just defending him differently fronting him differently but he just wasn't able to get as deep as he was on those passes and that's where he's not as effective and I don't know what it is when he gets the ball it just seems like he's going in warp hyper speed when he's going downhill I mean he gets it near the free throw line and and seems just all out of sorts offensively like he's got to just throw it towards the rim it just doesn't seem as efficient as he was earlier in the season and I know teams are bringing doubles at him early, and you know I still don't think he knows how to pass out of a double team all that effectively. Um, it, it's weird. Like you said, it, it's just defensively he hasn't really been all that impactful. I think Xavier Tillman and Kenny Goins have been much more productive on that end. And even offensively, it, as, as of late in the past couple of games, I think Tillman and Goins have been your more go-to efficient big man. His offensive game, I think, in, at least in these last two games, a lot more catching the ball 18 feet away from the basket and mm-hmm. then trying to trying to do something with the with the dribble. And it's like a guy like Nick Ward, we know his game, we know what gets him his good efficiency numbers. It's catching the ball on the block, taking two dribbles and putting up a jump hook. It's it's really it's really come down to how teams are adjusting to him defensively. They can pay a bit more attention to him. And I wonder if he just he has a certain maybe a ceiling to him where He's only going to get you so much out of certain positions on the court. And if teams are defending him a certain way, he's just going to go quietly. Yeah, and, and I mean, one of the issues that I had that I, I talked about in, in a piece I wrote is it's not just his offense that's frustrating and it's been a struggle because it's, it's fine if you have a poor shooting night. But it's the lack of aggression on the boards. He's getting beat by guys he shouldn't get beat by simply down in the post. I mean, it's, it's it was worse against Illinois, with the big man they had pushing him down low. He has 10 rebounds over this last three-game stretch, including just one rebound against Illinois. And it's just Michigan State is a rebounding team, and to see them get out-rebound two games in a row with this one, I, I just don't know what the, the reasoning is. And Izzo talked about practices just weren't great, and I don't know where this team has kind of just lost something. Defensive rebounds in the last three games for Nick Ward. Three against Purdue, 
two against Indiana, one against Illinois. I mean, those numbers just, regardless of how you feel about the wings on this team, the numbers down low, you've that's got to be so much better. And I think it's I think it really starts with him. The problems with at least at least offensively and at least on the boards, I think it starts with him because you you know he's your number two scoring option now without Langford, and to get him the amount of touches he's been getting and to get him the touches where they've been where he's been getting them. Something's got to be adjusted offensively. Mm-hmm. And that can make it easier on your wings. I mean, people talk about Aaron Henry needing to do more. It, it, he can do more, but it's going to take time for him to grow, and it'd be much easier to start with Ward inside and work inside out. Well, you just look at the Illinois game, too. Bishanishvili. I still don't know how to say that name. Yeah, we're not I mean, saying that the rest of the show. The, the, the freshman. <laughs> the Georgian. Right. Where is Georgia? Uh, I don't know actually where he's from. One of the Macedonias. Georgie is his first name. Yeah, Georgie. From, yeah, he is from Georgia. Hey, but you look at Ward's numbers. Georgie like, from Georgia. I mean, eleven points. I, I know it was four or six. Not a whole lot of shot attempts, but those are the games that you want to be getting him like twelve to fifteen shot attempts yep. against a freshman like that. And I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I, I really don't know. But like you said, going back to the wings, when Ward is producing at that level and teams actually have to really honor that double team, then that's re- really when it opens things inside out for your Michigan State offense. And and when he's not doing that, teams really don't feel the need to have to double him a whole lot. Because he really just hasn't been all that productive. And like you said, I mean, he's going to be the second scorer. He has to be. And if he's not, who do you go to? Matt McQuaid, his shots have been down. And I don't know if it's a confidence thing with him, the way he's been shooting it. He needs more touches. He needs to put more shots up for one. But, I mean, Ward should be your second scorer for a reason. There's a reason this guy tested the NBA draft waters in the offseason. But he's really not playing like he, you know, he wants to play in the, at the pro level after this season. Yeah, I I think those were the were the signs of, of what was wrong with this Michigan State team against Indiana in terms of just missed free throws, lack of effort, out rebounded, and it, it I think it all does come down to Ward. He was one and nine at the free throw line, only a couple of boards in this one, and I I think this a lot of this was was on him and the lack of effort there. And really quickly before moving on to, to Illinois, I do want to look at the other team for a minute because Indiana did come out with a solid gritty win, and just really quickly we're gonna get into the Big Ten later on. But looking at Indiana following this win, what do you guys think of that? Who's your team now? They're an interesting team. I mean, they've got some – they've lost seven of eight, but they've got some pretty notable wins on their resume. I think as of right now, I know it doesn't look good, but I still think they're pretty set there in the NCAA tournament. It comes down to Morgan's health, honestly. Yeah. Uh, and the problem is they followed it up with a loss last night at home to Iowa. Uh, not the greatest loss you want to take on your home court there. Although Bohannon had a heck of a game. Great night. <laughs> yeah, 25 no. points, I believe. Yeah. yeah, but, I mean, they can't really afford too many more losses at this stage. You look at no. the rest of the rest of their schedule the rest of the way. They've got Ohio State at home on Sunday, then uh, a week off until Minnesota, but they've still got Purdue at home. They've still got to have Michigan State and Wisconsin come to the Assembly Hall. I mean, I think they, they've got Michigan out of the way, but I, they really can't afford too many more losses. You think maybe... Do they get in with losing to Purdue at home and losing to Wisconsin or Michigan State at home? I really don't tough. know because they're already thirteen and ten. They're already four and eight. They're still four and eight in the Big Ten, regardless of what you think about how they're playing now. They're gonna have to go on such a big run in this last half of the schedule that it may not. It may be too little, too late. That loss against Iowa last night is tough. That is. They, that they is need to be winning that type loss. of game. That's a tough loss, and that I mean. This Iowa team is about as hot as anyone, just looking at them really quickly. 25 from Bohannon, 5 of 8 from 3, 21 from Cook as well. I mean, that, that Iowa team's a great team, but also for Indiana, Romeo Langford had 22. Morgan Juwan played Morgan, 17, 22 minutes. 22 so minutes in that one. Maybe maybe just not 100% yet. 
that's yeah. That's I think I think they they lose another game like that to Iowa, and it might be a little bit too late for them. Yeah. So it may be a case of too little, too late for the Hoosiers. Michigan State, though, hoping to turn things around. They fall to Indiana, then go on the road. Losing streak continues, losing to the Fighting Illini, Illinois, in Champaign, seventy nine seventy four. Uh, looking at some stats, twenty one points for Winston, nine assists to go along with nine turnovers for him in this one, 6 of 13 from the field, 1 of 5 from three-point range. And a very interesting switch to the starting lineup, Xavier Tillman goes in instead of Nick Ward. Izzo talked about just making that switch because he was not happy with Ward's rebounding in the last game against Indiana. Tillman getting a start in the lineup, 16 points, 8 rebounds, 5 of 6 from the field. And and for Illinois, Ayo Dasunmu, 24 points, 8 of 14 from the field, 4 of 8 from three-point range, and I think the first thing you look at, first thing you have to talk about with this game is is simply the turnovers, and I really don't know how to explain it at all. The team just didn't come out prepared. It, careless passes, they were forced into a lot of Illinois plays great defense, but a, a lot of it falls on Michigan State, and they just did not look ready to play. Well, they, they had 25 at the State Farm Center last year, and 24 this time on Tuesday, and and I know there's going to be people out there saying, oh, Illinois forces 16 turnovers a game and all that. But anybody who watched the game knows that really wasn't the case. I mean, Cassius Winston had nine turnovers. Probably six of those were just careless passes, like you said, just giving it to Illinois. And, and most of them were just, you know, trying to force passes in the fast break or whatever it might be. I don't really think you attribute those turnovers to Illinois being, you know, so aggressive defensively and just havoc on defense where Michigan State was just, you know, they didn't know what to do with the basketball. They just weren't uh, smart with the basketball, careless passes, everything. And, I mean, you do that against any team, especially on the road, especially for a Michigan State team that's struggling with confidence. I mean, that's one easy way right there to put yourself really behind the eight ball. I mean, credit MSU. They they came back, actually took the lead late on that Kenny Goins three. But when you give up 24 turnovers, and what was the, the points off turnovers here? Um, I don't I think it was, I believe it was 28 off the top of my head. It was a bunch. Yeah. I mean, that, that yeah, right 28 there points off turnover. makes things just incredibly easy for an Illinois team who really had nothing going for them. So you're just giving them free butt baskets, and, and that's no easy way to just lose a ball game. What a weird game. I mean, in all honesty, because you take the turnovers into account, MSU had one of their better shooting games of the entire season, and as much as it looked better in that second half, uh, Still, just the I think they just ended up wearing out, wearing themselves out, trying to get themselves back into the game. You look at the last uh, four and a half minutes plus, right after Goins put him in the lead, Indi- or Illinois outscored him about fourteen to six down the stretch, and I think that comes down to the legs uh, playing t- a couple nights after uh, losing a game in overtime and playing only s- seven or eight guys. It's in this game, Foster Lawyer gets one minute, Gabe Brown gets three minutes, everybody else. I mean, you look, Winston 37, McQuaid 31, Goins 37. It, what do we always say? Not sustainable. I mean, they might have just worn themselves out in this one because you think once they get that lead back towards the end of the game, you, you figured, okay, Illinois just played themselves out of a win. Give them credit. They came back. They hit some big shots towards the stri- down the stretch. And uh, Ayo Desunmu, man. What a what a game in that second half! They got a gem Great in him. In the second half, he he might be he he's talented really, enough. To, I really think he makes it sound like he might leave early. He could. It's the highest prospect they've had in some time. I don't know if I'd want to stick around Illinois for four years. 
I don't think he'll be there four years. Maybe another year. Yeah. If you, that. You can give him one more. But, I mean, you talked about it. He came back, hit a clutch three over Cassius to really seal the deal there. A deep one, too. I mean, like you said, Illinois, they got up to a huge lead. Place was rocking. Michigan State fights back, takes the lead late. And, and like you said, at that point, kind of felt like the Spartans could maybe just, you know, hold that lead there in Illinois. It was just going to run out of gas. But, I mean, they battled back, got some a big game out of the Sunmu and the Georgian. I'm not even going to try his last name again. Um, Zanishvili. Yes, something like that. Uh, but like you said, sustainability. Xavier Tillman had a heck of a game, 23 minutes, and he was efficient as heck, 5 of 6 from the floor, 16 points. Really your your next best scoring option there. McCashus Winston did pretty much what you, what you thought he would. But you, you get no shows from uh, Aaron Henry, who's going to have a bigger role, whether or not it's you know fair to him as a freshman. But he needs to step up, and, and he's got a he knows that he knows what he has to work on. But I mean, he he's got a lot of growing to do in in a small amount of time. Reminds me a lot of Purdue this game uh, because you look at the f- last four plus minutes, four I think last four forty six they score six points. MSU does. The, I mean. Where this team mentally down the stretch, at least this year, not really willing to fight back and, and and hang in these close games. I think teams passed. Indiana would have been a win because you were tight down the stretch. This game would have been a win because you're tight down the stretch and they had they still have the horses to win this game. I think it's just a matter of where this team is at mentally. Losing a game like Indiana plays a lot into the mind when you're when you're in a situation like you were in Illinois. Yeah, and I think I think the point you just made is is really huge because I think a lot of people and I've seen it a lot in other stories written by other writers, is that the second-half comebacks, everyone's so positive on them. Like, well, seeing the second-half comeback, that's some hope. And I, I think it is, in part, to watch Michigan State come back and work down the lead and, and especially take the lead in this one. But like you said, you can have the comeback all you want, but they're still losing these games. And I think that does something mentally to the team, and I think it shows something that they're not able to just finish out these games. This just came to me. Do we not remember during non-conference play the entire time he was saying, I didn't like the way we finished. It's it's come right back to that now. It's kind of reared its head a little bit in this Big Ten play in these last three or four games. You had opportunities to get close, get big wins, and just not really finishing the way you need to. Yeah, and there's been multiple opportunities. Illinois here, like you said, and then all three Indiana. Of these games. Nick Ward was all at the free throw line to extend, to extend the lead. He misses the front end of a free throw, makes the second one, but that keeps Indiana within striking distance. Well, especially in the format of the NCAA tournament where, you know, that's probably the biggest point of concern for this team is where you, you know, you miss 15 free throws in a game, turn over 24 times. I don't know, in a winner-go-home type game, you might not make it out of that game. So it's just a cause for concern in terms of that regard with how this team is playing. I mean, Matt McQuaid takes four shots. I mean, this is a guy who Tom Izzo said he's a scorer. Four shots is just nowhere near enough for what he's supposed to be, you know, producing. Same thing with Ward, only six shot attempts. I mean, both of those guys got to be up. I mean, you let it fly. Who else are you going to go to? This team has exactly. found already that you're not going to have a whole lot of other options, especially on the wing. So if you're Matt McQuaid, I think he's just got to take it upon himself to just shoot the darn ball. And he said yesterday it's it's more of a confidence thing a bit because it's just, you know, some of the shots aren't falling. He's not getting them up enough, but... Just let that thing fly. He has to, and Izzo said it in his presser. Josh, when he was healthy, was taking 11, 12 shots at minimum. That I mean, if Matt McQuaid's going to take three every single game and Nick Ward's only going to get six, that's so many more shots that they're just leaving out there on the table. Well, that have to be picked up by Winston. Yeah, and Winston can't do it. I mean, he's tried to do it all each and every game, and I think it ended up being worse than this one is that 
he sped himself up because he realized, I have no help. Yeah. And, and you, he ran himself into walls, triple charge fouls, turnovers. You look and you see, I mean, three-point numbers weren't great, but they're still manageable. 7 and 19 is not terrible. Obviously, they'd like to be a little bit better, but they went 23 and 25 at the line. I, it's, it's, it's one of those things oh, where the, night from the, line. The, the margins are so tight. You, you think that maybe a couple more of those free throws fall against, against Indiana, and all of a sudden you're not even talking about a loss in this game. I really, I really think it. I think the. I mean, we know the difference between winning and losing on a, on a player's psyche, regardless of whether or not it was earned in that Indiana game. But you think just a more positive outlook coming into this game. I just think the, mentally not in the right space to. They can come back from 14 points and and take leads late in the game, but you've got to score more than six points in the last five minutes of a game. You with, have to. With this team struggling to score, you have to wonder if Tom Izzo has thought about a a serious lineup change with even moving. You know, the way he's been shooting, Kenny Goins to the three. I mean, teams have to honor his shooting now with the That's... way he's been shooting. And you move Thomas Kithier in. I mean, you got to find these, an option. These are two very tough. I mean, I, you need to find some option. He needs to do something. I'm but... surprised more That's that tough. I'm surprised. Sorry, but I'm surprised no. more that he's not doing the thing that he's done a couple times at home already. And they've changed games. Kithier at the end of the first half. Because I know Tillman's, Tillman's had a pretty nice little run here of games the last two, three games. But Kithier just gives you that kind of it's both both sides of the court can rebound can can make impact plays. I'm really surprised with Ward playing like the way he is. Give Kithier some more run. Let him see if he can change games. I know it's not going to be easy for him physically every single night, and I know it's probably matchup based. But I mean, I mentioned this with with Foster Lawyer too. Play them now. Give them their lumps and make it so that way Cassius Winston's leg don't fall off at the end of March. Yeah, I I think. Out of out of those experiments, I like the Kithier experiment the most. I think he is a guy who can come in and he can get you some rebounds, maybe even get you a couple of points. I like seeing that experiment. Pass as well, too. Yeah. Kenny Goins at the three, that's an interesting one. I think you do have to honor his shot, and offensively it would be all right, but def- I just I don't know defensively. Where, yeah. where are you at on Foster? I, I, I think you have to give him a run, even though he's not I, there I, defensively. I, I don't know. I like Julian saying defensively. I, I don't know. I think he's just too much of a liability right now. And I don't even trust his offense. No, I don't either. No, and I think Indiana or Illinois rather is the wrong game to put him into because they pressure the ball so much and yeah. they're they're so athletic on the on the perimeter. But I think you you have to do it at this point to to sacrifice Cassius's legs. If he if he's if he's dragging at the in the middle of March when you're playing your Big Ten tournament and you're playing your First couple rounds of the national tournament, wouldn't you want him to be able to play the minutes that he's playing now? Then I don't think I don't think you can survive to the end of the season playing Cassius the amount he is now. And so maybe one thing, and I don't know, I've been thinking about that might help his legs doing the McQuaid thing. The, you can do the McQuaid thing, or even just in in offensive adjustment, in that maybe you just run a little less and try and get stuff in the half court. Because I mean, these Which last couple of struggle. games has had no points in the fast break, eight points against Illinois, and I don't. I don't know how much it is of teams figuring out how to stop the fast break. I think they know to sit back now. I mean, I think they know because even at the start of the Big Ten play, teams were MSU was pretty much running on. Remember, Northwestern was a big game for that. Mm -hmm. And and you can think to yourself, oh, well, we'll just sit back and it'll be fine. But teams have realized, man, they go fast. 
and then they just drop even a couple more guys back. Exactly, and they know to pressure Winston because that's the thing that I, I've had an issue with, I guess, with the transition for Michigan State is it's not a normal transition for teams where it's just like we have better athletes than you, we're going to outrun you. It is a more Cassius Winston is such a floor general, we can outrun you because he's going to push the basketball and make the right pass. And now people are just realizing if we drop back, we drop at least four back, we pressure Winston enough on the ball, he's going to make some poor decisions more than he's going to make good ones. And I think that has been some of the reason that the fast break has been so slow. Whatever it is, you just have to find some ways to get you know, some production off the bench to you know, give Cassius a couple minutes at least because he's going to need it. Like Kyle's saying, you need him to have legs come March. And I, I think you could put in Foster – like, I don't know, it's tough. Four or five minutes. Four or five minutes max and see, with a very short leash. That's, that's a really short leash. Very, like, tiny. Guys, if he plays 36-plus minutes from now until the end of the season, until the re- end of the regular season, there's going to be nothing left in the no, tank I for agree. the postseason. It's, I think you sacrifice wins now. I mean, obviously you want to try and put yourself in a position to win as many games as possible, but you've got to find a way to make it so that Cassius Winston can be at... 95%, 94% come Big Ten tournament time. I, I agree. I just, it's I, gonna, it's I a, feel it's, like Izzo probably feels right now, and I just, you're scratching your head because you don't know how you're going to do it. And I don't know, maybe it's games like Minnesota where it's a team that you hope doesn't hang around with you too long and you get out to a big lead and then you can sit Winston, but I, I, don't, I don't know. Each game in the Big Ten is going to be a dogfight. And those were, the, those were the games that Indiana was supposed to be, where, you know, you get out to a massive lead and, and you can get times for, you know, Foster, Lawyer, and them, but didn't prove to be that way. Yeah, well. And, and commend, Indiana, or commend Illinois as well. Uh, I do like that yeah. that freshman, uh, the post guys, his game inside. I mean, no, he's he made, nice. He made Ward look pretty silly on a couple of uh, he post moves. Games. He did. And, then, uh, yeah, like you said, big – Big love to Illinois. They are a young team, plays tremendous defense. Hit, hit their free throws, too. Hit they their free throws. Which, a uh, bit of anomaly as well. F- funny how that works with uh, <laughs> with free throws in these last couple of games. But, yeah, Illinois is, is going to be something good, some team to watch later on. Michigan State, though, that brings us to the three-game losing streak for them, losing to the Illini. And, and moving on, I want to look at, at the Big Ten as a whole for a second. As We're, we're entering now the back of this stretch, uh, this halfway stretch for this team. And you look at the Big Ten at number one, Michigan, ten and two in conference, twenty-one and two overall. Purdue jumping into the number two spot, nine and two in the conference, sixteen and six overall. Michigan State at number three, nine and three in the conference, eighteen and five overall. Wisconsin behind them, nine is three, nine and three as well. And then Maryland, nine and four. And those those are your top five. And, and first off, for you guys, just looking at the standings, are you surprised to see any team where they are? I know I'm. I'm still looking at Purdue. And I just can't believe how they've pretty much turned this around to get where they are at this point. I thought they were down in the waters, especially when Michigan State walked into Mac Arena. I thought that was a win for State, and Purdue just wasn't going to find it. But since that game, they've turned it around. Nebraska, too. I think it's it's obviously tough to lose Isaac Copeland, but seeing them where they're at, we I still think they've got the talent to you know be serious come March. I don't don't get me wrong. I think they. They've still got some some say yet to have, but I mean, can you really separate any of those top three right now? I mean, Michigan yes. had a really Michigan had a very solid outing on Tuesday night against Rutgers, won that one pretty comfortably in the end. But I mean, you you think so? You think there's a big a big gap between Michigan, Purdue, and then and then Michigan State there at three? No, I think there's a gap from 
Michigan to MSU and Purdue. Purdue. Wow. Wow. I, I think Michigan just, I think they're the best coach team in the conference. I think they're, they got four legitimate guys who can create their own shot. Something Michigan State maybe what, has one. They'd love to. Ha- they'd love to have that right now. Who? I miss you. Would have loved to have oh, more than one guy sure. that created their own shot. They, I mean, could you imagine if, if Michigan State had Jordan right. Poole? In very seldom. I mean, he's struggled a little bit this we, season. We don't know. Stretch, we don't know but... if that would work with with Izzo. I mean, Beeline already gets on him right. enough yeah. for, for the shots he I takes. Mean, that's the thing. But I'm, if they had a, a player like him, yeah. who's a, at least a oh, shot it's supposed, maker, it's supposed to be Josh Langford. It's very seldom you'll see games from Michigan where, like they had in Iowa, where nobody's moving. And it, right. It's Xavier Simpson settling for deep three, something they do not want. Well, that's the game plan, and I wonder. Yeah. I wonder if it's just Beeline being able to execute around that and making sure that your late shot clock offense isn't Xavier Simpson trying to shoot the ball from the perimeter. Right. That, they don't. They 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 avoid that, and they're fine offensively. Right. That's the one thing where if defenses are forcing Michigan into. Offense like that, you got a pretty good shot to at, at hanging around, if not beating them. I other, mean, otherwise, you kind of have to hope that John Tusk gets two fouls right. and then go from there. In, in MSU, like we've been harping on them, so we know what they are. Purdue, I still think. I mean, Carson Edwards might be the most dynamic score in the country with the way he's just able to score night in and night out. But it's just that supporting cast, something we saw really showed up against Michigan State two weeks ago. But I just don't know consistently down the stretch when it matters if those guys are going to step up. I know Nogel Eastern is really been playing well as of late. I don't know. I, I still think there's just a, a hair separating Michigan from Michigan State and Purdue. I mean, don't forget about Wisconsin. I mean, they're on a nice little six-game win streak playing pretty darn well, National Player of the Year candidate, uh, certainly Big Ten Player of the Year candidate. And, I mean, they got guards all over the place, it seems. So they, if they catch you on a really hot offensive night, I think they could pretty much hang with anybody. They're an interesting team. And one team that, you know, you say there's a gap between Michigan, Purdue, and everyone else. Purdue has a chance to make a little bit of a run looking at their next schedule coming up. Nebraska on Saturday, at Maryland on Tuesday. I think that's an iffy one. But then at Indiana on the 19th, and a lot of people say Assembly Hall is a tough environment, which it is. But I think Nebraska-Indiana, that's two games that Purdue can really pull out. Well, and the biggest thing for Purdue that Michigan and Michigan State don't have is they don't play MSU or Michigan. And those two teams still have to play twice. Mm-hmm. I mean, so Purdue the rest of the way in terms of the league schedule has as good a slate as you probably want, and, and they're in a really good spot. But again, I just don't know consistently can they get those kinds of efforts from guys not named Carson Edwards. Uh, we'll see, but they're definitely an interesting team to keep an eye on. Matt Painter's done a, a really good job with that team. The only thing I think with Purdue is is you have four losable games uh, in this next stretch, and that's Nebraska at home, at Indi- uh, or at Indiana, at Maryland, at Nebraska. I mean, there are three there are three road games in there. I mean, say say what you want about how well they're playing, but uh, on the road, really, I mean, name me their best road win. I mean, they beat Wisconsin at the start of the of start of last month, but I mean, they it wasn't playing anywhere near. Where yeah, they are Wisconsin, yeah, where they're they're, at Wisconsin at a different level. I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see if they can can kind of replicate that because I mean, you see them on, at Mackey, beat Michigan State, have some pretty good results yeah. in there. Uh, yeah, the the thing that they don't have Michigan left is is huge for them. Is huge. I mean, that's a big slate. If you're in yeah. the Big Ten, you don't have Michigan or Michigan State left on your your docket. That's that's huge for Purdue, and I think they can get something done. I, I like where the team is at at this point in the season. They're finding some offense, especially from Ryan Klein. They only got one Michigan game. They kind of they kind of got the, the luck of the draw yeah. of the, the schedule of the draw. a little bit. But that, that's huge for them. And moving on, just talking overall about the conference. One thing that I've seen floating around here is. Is the Big Ten the best conference in the nation? 
right now they mm. in terms of competition i think you would say 100% they may not have the the top power of some other conferences but top to bottom each and every night teams are competing hard and i think that's it's been the difference i think you have 13 teams in the top 100 of Ken Palm right now yeah, I'm, I, there's a case to be made. I'm messing around with Torvik and trying to figure out who's got the the best conference here, the best, the highest number of uh, of bids. I mean, the Big Twelve's pretty darn competitive too. Yeah, at the top. I mean, yeah. Kansas yeah. is nowhere near the Kansas in in years past. Yeah. Now with Legerald Vic not playing, but I mean, those top five teams especially are all pretty darn good. Same thing with, I mean, the SEC very top heavy. Three very good teams towards the top. Very top heavy in the SEC. ACC three like it normally is. I mean, NC State's, they're okay. Uh, but you got North Carolina, Duke, and, and Virginia all pretty darn good. But I don't know. Big Ten top to bottom is it's a pretty darn good conference. Right Especially now. Especially with the way these middle of the pack teams have been playing like, like Iowa and Maryland and, and Wisconsin surging now too. So and it's a tough call. I, I'd put them right up there for sure. Right now, uh, the the bid distribution on uh, on on Torvik, which is the the Ken Palm's free brother, uh, ACC gets nine, Big Ten gets nine, Big Twelve gets eight, SEC gets eight, and then uh, next up is the American with four. So uh, nice, the, the American. Good job, Pac-12. Really, really, hey, really doing a don't solid. Don't sleep here. on Washington. Yeah, well, that's that's their one. That's their one. That's it. MSU. It's, it's like I was telling you. No, when yeah, we were eating, I just. The Pac-12, can you really trust any team that's coming out of there? Houston Cougars. Kelvin Sampson, right. National Coach of the Year still, candidate. S- still in good shape. <laughs> They're unbelievable. Uh, MSU a two-seed right now from from all those projections still, <sighs> which, I mean, that's got to assume that they get things back on right. track. I mean, let, let's let's. I think we wait until Wisconsin to kind of make a, a definite judgment on where they should be seated at this point. I think so because I think that's that's probably the, look at that's the, the bigger the litmus slate. Test. That's the biggest litmus test, especially when those two games against Michigan are down the line. If you get a win against Wisconsin, that's confidence. On the road, a too. loss too as well. That's just down. If you got Michigan coming up on the rest of the slate, but the Big Ten Conference shaking out to be a pretty interesting conference. Middle of the pack teams are everywhere, night in, night out. It's a dogfight, and seen that in the last couple of games against Illinois and Indiana, two teams that are just putting up a fight and. It does not stop for Michigan State. Their next game on Saturday, taking on Minnesota at the Breslin Center. A game is Saturday at 2 p.m. And looking at the Golden Gophers last year, 15 and 17 overall, 4 and 14 in the Big Ten. This year, a little bit of a bounce back, 16 and 7 overall as a team, 6 and 6 in the Big Ten at 500. Uh, last time these two teams played was on February 13th of 2018. Michigan State completely dominated the Golden Gophers, beating them 87 57 at the Breslin Center. A couple of players to watch out for for the Golden Gophers. You look at Amir Coffey, the junior 6'8 guard, averaging 15.8 points a night, just 2.9 assists, 44% from the field. And a guy who is really, really talented, Jordan Murphy, the senior 6'7 forward. I believe he's on the top 10 for the Carl Malone, mm-hmm. Carl Malone Power Forward of the Year race, one of the top 10 finalists, averaging 14.9 points a game, 12.1 rebounds. Uh, 49% from the field. He does have about three three personal fouls a game, which is an interesting stat to look at, playing against Nick Ward down low. But um, those are two guys for Minnesota that, especially Jordan Murphy, Michigan State's going to have to contend with. They haven't been rebounding well. Yeah, uh, pretty good at shooting twos. The only problem, not very good at shooting threes. I don't, I don't think they really exploit any of MSU's weaknesses all that well. Uh, don't really force turnovers all that much. Uh, don't exactly shoot the ball great 
I mean, it's it just feels like it's it's a good matchup for MSU with the with the way the schedule is right now. You need a you need a good feel feel good win at this point in the season. Well, it'll be another big time test for Nick Ward. I mean, Jordan Murphy he had 19 rebounds of his own last game, and and with the rebounding struggles we've seen from Michigan State the past couple of games, that'll definitely be a point of emphasis. Like you said, Julian Amir Coffey coming off a pretty rough game there against Wisconsin, but you figure he you know is a is a score that he is will. will should get things going back on track. And even a guy like Daniel Otaru, who is getting better offensively, um, he fared pretty well defensively when when they threw him on Ethan Happ. So that'll be an interesting matchup to see how he fares, especially defensively. But I don't know. Like Kyle was saying, it seems like a good matchup for Michigan State. Um, they've had Minnesota's number. I, I, it's tough to see the Spartans dropping two straight home games at the Breslin Center, let alone one in a, in a season. <laughs> Um, having lost four in a row in, yeah. in, in all in total since about 2007. Right. So I mean, yeah. You you, you I it just this one feels like it's it's your win. You, you get off the off the bad feelings a little bit and then focus in on on a big ta- big game on Tuesday. Because yeah. if they show up again tomorrow like they did the past couple of games, things don't get e- any easier. No, it'll be tight. I mean, I you think, go to Wisconsin I, I think, on Tuesday. Yeah, I think I think they still they can play a little poorly in this game uh, on Saturday and still look to come out at least a little bit ahead. Because yeah. I think Minnesota just matches up well for them. They don't score a lot of points, just averaging seventy three. They don't well, play great defense, giving opponents sixty nine, and they're not a team that forces a whole lot of turnovers. Just twelve point four, a point five turnover margin for mm-hmm. this team. I mean, and they're not the greatest rebounding at thirty eight, just rebounds a game. I mean, this is a team that if you're Michigan State. Stat-wise, you match up pretty well. And I think personnel-wise, you match up pretty well as well. This last week uh, at Purdue and home against Wisconsin, 3 of 29 from 3. Yeesh. And that's, I mean, if you're trying to take down big teams, you got to shoot 3. It would be very much like MSU on the streak, though, to, to allow a big game from outside against uh, Like they did with Indiana. Minnesota. Wouldn't, that, wouldn't that just be so funny? <laughs> I would laugh. I, you know, I would. It's because it's a little past comedy at this point. The things that, no, sure. the things that teams have come into... The, these last couple games against MSU doing not so well, they've managed to do pretty well. It's it's especially outside shooting. It seems Michigan State likes their chance. I mean, you get the sense from yesterday talking to the guys that you know tomorrow's a big game. I mean, they've got to just get the wheels back on the track here. But given the way they've been playing, would a Minnesota win shock me? No. But you you still have to feel pretty confident with the way you know Michigan State matches up with them with all those numbers you just gave. But there are a couple of big matchups though that. Minnesota can definitely pose for the Spartans. And like you said, coming in with a lot of confidence, like at the availability, a lot of players kind of realizing that three-game streak was a smack in the face. And now a lot of them are ready to go. The 1979 team being honored at this game. Magic Johnson will be there, of course. He was the the talk of availability as players had met him, seen his smile. Of course, it's it's Magic, so he gets a lot of the spotlight. But He's having a busy week. A very, very busy week. <laughs> a futile week. Oof, but... We're not an NBA podcast. We don't have to get into that whole mess, (laughs) tampering and all that stuff. But uh, Michigan playing Minnesota Saturday at 2 p.m. Game's going to go live on Impact 89 FM. You can tune in to Ian Gilmore and Hikaru Kudo on the call for you there. And there will be updates from Amanda Poole writing as well. So be on the lookout for that. Follow impact89fm.org slash sports for all that knowledge. And then next week, of course, we won't record until – Probably Friday, maybe even a little earlier. Maybe do a, something in the middle of the week. We'll see what's going on. But it's being suggested. Being suggested. Yeah. It's it's in the works. We're workshopping the. There idea. you go. 
Uh, but Michigan State heading to Madison to try and take down the Badgers at the Kohl Center. And we've said it a couple times, this will be the litmus test for Michigan State. Wisconsin 15-18 and 18 overall last year, 7-11 and 11 in the Big Ten. And they've really flipped the script this year, 17-6 and 6 overall, 9-3 and 3 in the Big Ten. Last time these two teams played was March 2nd of 2018. Wisconsin winning 63-60, knocking Michigan State out of the Big Ten tournament. You look at some players to watch out for for Wisconsin, a guy who feels like he's been there for a little while yeah. now, Ethan Happ, the redshirt senior forward, averaging 18.3 points a night to go along with 10 boards and a very healthy five assists for Ethan Happ, 55% from the field. And then Demetri Trice, redshirt sophomore guard, 13.4 points, 43% from the field and 44% from three-point range. And we've said it a number of times, but this is this is the test for Michigan State. Wisconsin is a tough, tough team to go in and take down. One of the best defensive teams in the conference, holding opponents to 61 points a game. And at the Cole Center especially, they're even better. This is, I think, going to be a very tough matchup for Michigan State to go in and win. Very right. Uh, they've got some guys that can shoot from outside now between Trice and, and Davison and, and even Nate Rovers has, has really come along this season. He's a black I think. machine. I remember, I remember last year he looked like a little out of place uh, down low against Jaron Jackson and uh, and Nick Ward, but now this year I think he's he's willing to go toe-to-toe with any of those guys. I think he had eight blocks as well against uh, Minnesota the other time out, so he's playing well. No, and Brevin Pretzel, they got guys. They got guys that can shoot, and I wonder if that would be problematic for MSU defensively. They're gonna have to, you know, it's. I'm assuming it's gonna be the same kind of game it was when Michigan came to Wisconsin. It's gonna be kind of drag it out, you know, get physical, and and I wonder if if MSU is in a bad position for that, given that there's a lot of minutes on the guys that they're leaning on right now. You're going to need a lot of offense. And too. you're going to need some you're going to need well you're going to need your offensive possessions to count. Right. More than anything else because it's going to be slow. So, you wonder if you got to find ways to keep those guys, you know, at a good physical condition going into a game a couple of days later against uh Wisconsin. It's it's going to be tough and the the thing that that makes Wisconsin so interesting to me is a lot of what people have been doing to Ethan Happ is trying to double him, and you look at his assist numbers, five assists on the season. He'll just pass right away. With the shooters that he has, he'll pass right yeah. away. A he double knows, is scary. He knows he knows better than to you know try to mess around and pass out. And I think MSU defended him pretty well last year. Mm-hmm. He still got his, but he didn't really affect the rest of his teammates. They yeah. kind of isolated him a little bit. So I, I do wonder uh, how they can cope defensively with the, you know the shooting from outside. Because you know, second best outside shooting team in the conference, it's going to be tricky. I, I wouldn't. I would not be surprised if MSU lost that game on no, Tuesday. No, are you kidding? That's a tough game. It's, a it's tough it's, game. We, I say that now off the back of a three game losing streak. So I mean, oh, was, I, I, I think it's tough if you're winning anyway. Yeah, I, well, especially yeah. to go in the Colson. I mean, yeah. so so now so now I'm going to say it's even tougher. But you know, let's 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 figure out again after Saturday if they go out and you know perform to one extreme or another, we might be saying a different tune. Maybe a little bit. It'll, if anything, it's just it's a big conference game. Both of them tied for third. Um, like you said, Cole Center, very tough place to play. We saw, you know, the rock fight that they had last year in the final game they played. Um, Ethan Happ, you touched on it. I mean, his game speaks for himself. It's going to be a big matchup. There's not a whole lot of games the rest of the way for Nick Ward, especially where you know the matchup is not great. He's going to have his work cut out from the rest of the way. They're also going to have Michigan on Saturday. They've got they've got Which a road one? they've got a road yeah. trip to Ann Arbor so uh, maybe maybe U of M will knock a few uh, few uh, out of them as well. 
you never know. I think I think I think it's going to be a very physical game, and I wonder if MSU can kind of keep up in that respect. Yeah, and I the half court execution is still what's what's troubling to me. Wisconsin plays it's such a I mean it's like a, they're a Virginia of the Big Ten in a different way in terms of playing and just a slow pace and slugging a game down. And I don't know with the way Michigan State has played in these last couple of games when they haven't been able to get out and run. I don't know if the half court is able to keep up. Wait and see, I guess until uh, until Saturday. This is true. And, and we'll figure out and figure if they got any any kind of change. Yeah, but whatever happens, Michigan State definitely looking to make changes on a three game losing streak. Currently, going to try and snap that losing streak with Minnesota coming to the Breslin Center on Saturday, and then a road test with Wisconsin. But guys, that's that's all I got. It's in the books. It's in the books. I think I think, I think the story's been written. We gotta we gotta put the bookmark in it, come back after after next week. Come back. Well, it's gonna be a very interesting week. We're gonna have There'll be talking points. A lot to talk about, I'm uh, sure. No matter what happens. I think both be... I think both positive and negative though. I, I do think I do think they're the response that we want or that people would want from this MSU team will come in in one of these next two games. Great games nationally as well tomorrow. That's uh, true. He's, hey, who you got? Duke, Virginia. Uh, in Virginia too. That's the tricky We're part. We're talking about it. You think they're gonna sweep? I'm gonna go I Virginia. Think so. I'm gonna go Virginia. I feel Duke. I was feeling it. Yeah, I think I think Duke's just the the they've got better athletes to uh, to handle that. Although, tell you what, if Kyle Guy gets hot from outside at home, yeesh. That's the one thing. He was not hot when they came to Cameron, and exactly. they only lost by two. They only lost by two. I, I do like having Jones back though. There are yeah. the big games this weekend. Marquette Villanova, great one. Did Marquette just lose during a yeah, during but the middle still of the eight and two, ten and zero in the Big East? I do like where huge Marquette's game. at. Huge game. It's gonna be huge. But a great weekend of hoops coming up. Some great slates. As how we're in February now. It's yeah, beautiful. this is a stretch. This is what this you is want. A stretch. This it's is beautiful. this is what you want. It's finally here. Yep. It's finally here. But we'll be keeping you up to date with everything that's going on. We'll see how the weekend shakes out for this Michigan State team and the rest of the college hoops landscape. But that's been it. Season six, episode thirteen. Impact is on. We'll see you next week.